to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. I've been curious if you guys have seen Bullet Train yet. No, With but Brad it, Pitt's new movie. No, but it no, looks, is it out, dude? Yes, in the theater. <laughs> yes, that's why I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. uh, I haven't. I don't think I've had a day off. I wonder if it's been on demand yet. And you might be able to pay like twenty bucks to watch it on your mm, phone, but if I'm gonna pay twenty bucks, I'd rather have a popcorn. Absolutely, popcorn. yeah, dude. I, w- I won't spoil anything with that movie. I'm gonna either, tell but. you something. You can. There are supermarkets now where you can buy popcorn and Dr. Pepper. That's <laughs> <laughs> bogus. It's not the same. It's not the same. I'd rather so, have popcorn and Dr. Pepper. Funny, oh, uh, funny story about that. I was preaching at a camp a few years ago that Dusty was the Dusty was the camp director at. Yeah, and uh, I'm telling this story about how. I'm at the movie theater and I always talk about my Cammy calls me a, a popcorn snob and I really am like it's yeah if I'm going to pay that much for yeah. popcorn in the movies it better be freaking perfect absolutely so a lot of what it used to at Cinemark here you they used to serve stale popcorn a lot mm-hmm. doesn't happen much anymore but so when they had that phase I would go in and ask for a sample of popcorn to start and if it wasn't fresh I'd be like hey can you make me a new batch <laughs> yes. so then what I'd ask him to do is and I'm telling this story at this camp Dusty's the director at and he's listening to me and I'd say I'd have him put uh, you know fill up to a third then butter then another third then butter then another third and then butter <laughs> well at Cinemark where we're at the butter is behind the counter where they fill the popcorn at Dusty's movie theater the butter's out of the counter and it's like <laughs> over in the condiment section. So what he's picturing is that I make them fill it up, walk, walk out from out of the counter, go fill it up with butter and then back. Afterwards, he was like, dude, why are you such a butthole? And I was like, well, if I'm going to pay do- that much for popcorn, I want it to be right. He was like, but yeah, like that much. So like we have this literally like a day long conversation about <laughs> how harsh it is. And then we go to the movies that night and I was like, man, it's weird that y'all's butter's way out here. He goes, what? <laughs> Where's your butter? <laughs> that is so that is golly. Funny. There was a guy and I I don't like butter in my popcorn. I learned when I was like 11 that that butter will tear me up. I'm so, not saying it doesn't. Yeah, I, I think it's funny that it's, we still call it butter. It's, it's, yeah, it's true. It's, it's <laughs> worth the, the worst, risk for you. It's but. the worst kind of oils you can get that are flavored with butter flavoring. Yeah, yes, I know what it is. I know what I'm doing. There's a, uh, I saw a guy and I was going to ask if you'd ever tried this. Uh, that straw. would fill the straw up and then pull it out and it would butter it evenly yeah, it throughout it. It does work. That's so cool. Is it? You, you do well, like really fast? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be But if like, you like a lot of butter, if you like a lot of butter, you have to bring a paper towel roll. <laughs> and stick that down there and then fill that with butter. Yeah, that's right. I do. God, can you imagine? I, do I don't want my blood pumping by the end of this movie. I do usually put, no joke, 10 napkins on the bottom of the popcorn. Because the grease I've ruined, underneath the container. Yeah, I've ruined yeah. pants before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie theater with the popcorn. Like gotten back and there's just like a. Like I'm I'm just imagining stain. you getting up out of your out of your seat and walking out and it looks like you peed yourself because of the grease stain <laughs> just, all this down mess. your crotch. <laughs> yeah, the first time I have the lights come on, you're like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> People are going, that must have been a really good movie. That guy didn't even leave to a, <laughs> use the restroom. <laughs> exactly. Another funny story about that. One of my one Wetting of my pants. many yes many. <laughs> plane flights this this summer i was in a rush went to the bathroom at this uh airport bathroom and like just grabbed two paper towels real quick and was wiping off my hands and threw them away walked out of the bathroom and i still had some some water on my hands so instinctively i just like wiped it on my pants like this oh no so i walk out <laughs> and there's just water all over my pants because they were pretty dry it looked like i just beat myself but i got, had to make the gate so yeah, walk yeah. the airport like, do what you gotta do just man. go with it man <laughs> yep <laughs> the other day i was at a i was at an event where i was outside most of the day and i didn't realize I mean, it was it was a morning event so i wasn't thinking it would get like crazy hot but i'm dumb like it, i'm stupid so i was hot and i was sweaty and I, there's only so many times you can wipe, like the, my, the sweat on my arms is flowing to my hands. There's so many times you can do this without it, like yeah. really being obvious that you are wet down there. 
Um, wiping your hands on your pants for those who are not watching the video. That's true. I'm not, I'm not like wiping my hands off on my crotch. Oh, yeah, yeah. sorry. Wiping my, wiping my hands off. Or like, there's, only so, there's only so many that's times true. you there's, can do this before it looks like you. Yes. Wiping your hands. So I was constantly like trying to find new places in my pants to like wipe my wrists off. Because people were shaking my hand and there's your fingers touch a little bit of that area. And straight up, I had one guy come and shake my hands. Oh, good to meet you, man. I noticed he really subtly wiped his hand off after shaking my hand. And I was like, boy, am I sweaty. <laughs> like we can, we can talk about, it. I'll break the tension. It doesn't bother me, but, uh, speaking. Okay. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to change my culture corner again, based off what we're already talking about with that. Um, so let me go back and my notes. Actually, are we, well, are we going to the PCC? Yeah. Hey, come on over to PCC while I'm figuring hey. it out. Everybody come on over. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the PCC. Um, so, it's good to see you guys. Welcome to get relaxed. Um, so I, there's been a couple of things that I've seen on social media and on, um, like I have, a, I have a YouTube channel I'm subscribed to. And what he does is like commentary on like a dating show. So there's some dating things that I'll see, but it's not because I'm watching a dating show. Uh, I just want to make that clear that I'm not watching that. But one of the questions that was asked in the dating show <coughs> that he thought was a really good type of like icebreaker type question Curious, curious where you guys what's, land. What's a dating show? Are we talking about like so, the like yeah? Or? So it's like a modern version of that. It's a, there's another. I forget what the is main there a show called. The dating show? No, 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 no. Sorry, this this show is actually called the Button, where it's like a blind. Oh. It's like a blind dating show, and there's okay. a button in the middle. And then during the blind date, you have opportunities to to eject yourself or to eject the other person from the date. And so, like, if I was on a date with somebody, it's and like they the Gong Show back in the day, I didn't see the Gong Show, so I wouldn't you know. What know. I'm talking about yeah. Uh, that was more of a talent show thing, but that'd be funny. Oh, I gotcha. So like, if you're not feeling the day, but you're still hanging out and the button, the button grow, oh my gosh, the button glows red. I can reach over there and slap that. And then the person across from me goes bye-bye. So like, and then it becomes, sometimes it becomes a race to hit the button first. And <laughs> then whoever wins is the people who don't press it the two or three times it lights up. And then you're like, Hey, you guys enjoyed it? Do you guys want to go on a second date? So that's how they quote unquote win the thing. But one person sat down at the table and the very first question they asked are, is, are you the type of person who would tell somebody if they have something in their teeth? And so you immediately, you, you would say you're that type of person. Oh, no, it's situational for me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. It's not would, across the board. Yeah. What about you? Situational as well? If they sit down and ask that, I would immediately start picking my teeth thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you offer somebody gum, they're like, what are you trying to say, man? I would immediately think, oh, crap, I got something in my teeth. Uh, yeah, man. Rule number seven, a real friend will tell you. I got you. Yeah. yeah so. so like, have you ever, have you ever sat down with someone who's like super old, and they're eating and they've got stuff out? Like, yeah, you're not gonna be like, yeah. Have you ever have you ever talked to a kid who's mentally handicapped? <laughs> it's true. Like, I, you're okay, not gonna so do it. I, I will tell you that it, it is situational for me too because I was in Subway. I was at the studio last week. I was in Subway grabbing a quick lunch. The dude in front of me in line had recently buzzed his entire head. It was super super short, like yes. I typically wear mine. And you know how your neck hair kind of goes down the sides of your neck, left and right. Yeah. The left side had not been shaved. <laughs> the whole rest of his head has been buzzed yeah. and there is a trail of hair from, from the base of his skull down Ugh. into his collar on the left side. I completely missed. And it was such a long line. I'm behind this guy for 15 minutes debating whether or not I tell him <laughs> that, that, dude, you, uh, you, you missed a big spot back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never said a word. I just thought like... So I, so yeah. that's where I think I my, my line is. And what, so anyway, so why I love these questions is that it makes you talk. Like it makes yeah, you yeah. go into a conversation and have stances that maybe you didn't know you had or you're figuring it out. So I love those type of questions. But I realize that my stance is where I would be glad to engage and be like, hey, you have something in your teeth. Hey, your fly is down. Those types of things that can be immediately fixed. I think go to the bathroom. They can fix a wardrobe situation. <laughs> Interesting, yeah. But he can't shave his head what at Subway. What can he do at Subway? Absolutely. So the so now now you've ruined his entire lunch experience. That's what I was thinking, right? <laughs> so like, if he's gonna sit down, he's gonna be stressed. If about he's it. getting in his car, you can be like, "Oh, hey, buddy, when you get home," and then throw it out. <laughs> but I was thinking about me being sweaty. This is the reason why I connected the two from earlier. I was thinking about being sweaty at this event, and I thought to myself, like. I know that sweat is also just flowing down my body to my pants. I would hate it. It's one thing to say like, oh, hey, your hand's sweaty. Oh, let me wipe that off real quick. I apologize. Here's some Germex. Hey, I, I don't know how you yeah. handle that situation, but like apologize, make light of it, whatever. If somebody comes up to me and they say, hey, man, your butt's really wet <laughs> in that scenario. I can't, I don't have a change of pants with me. I can't just like toss a hoodie around sure. me. There are those situations in the wintertime. Thankfully, we can just kind of, tie a jacket around you, which now it's not as cool, but 
you could still cover it up. It was never cool. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> when, when I was in fifth grade, we thought we were so cool. Uh, but anyway, like in that scenario, I cannot change that. So now I am more, now I'm socially anxious where I, where I wasn't sure. before. And I'm like, everybody's looking at my butt. Yep. <laughs> so I'm just thinking about that. So here's a question. When's the last time you told somebody like they had something in their teeth or their fly was down? So actually at, at church, uh, at the 456 a while back, um, there was a woman who had come in and she had a hair clip still in her hair that was obviously not supposed to be there. Like she probably had it clipped up while mm. she was doing her hair, doing her makeup. Cause it was like holding on by a thread, just like down here. And I didn't, I didn't know this person. They, this was the first time they were visiting and I knew something needed to be said, but not by me. <laughs> so I went to my wife who's not going to engage in those conversations. And I said, Hey, I think woman to woman, it'd be different if you were to like, Hey, I think this isn't blowing sure. your hair. You can fix it. No big deal. Um, I feel like I've seen other girls like interact that way or like, yeah, they different type of just understanding where a girl's coming from, whatever it may be. Um, but she was like, I don't know that person. I'm not going to go talk to that. <laughs> so like, I feel like if I were the woman in that scenario, based off my personality, I'd be like, oh, hey, this is on your hair. Do you mean to, or point it out? Like there's a blue clip still in your hair. Do you want that? Do you want to fix that? I've just noticed it's dangling over there. I think that I would have in that situation. But you didn't. But I didn't because of like, because you're not a woman. Because of the so gender norms in society. What, what is real, a woman? Real question. What is a like, woman? Yeah. When's the last time you've done that? Can you remember? Uh, I, I would say that before this, it was probably like college where I pointed out people's open Because it is the flies. antithesis of your personality. I think that with like. There's nothing about commenting on someone like that that is about making peace. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I remember in college, it wasn't a big deal, for, even for people I didn't know, to lean over and be like, "Hey, man, your flies open." Like that was just. A, I feel like that okay. was more of a normal. Can we thing. put that one in a different category? I feel like any dude who sees another dude's fly <laughs> open should always say it, no matter yeah. how you feel about it. Like, yeah, and so, and I think I, is, I would say that I feel comfortable with teeth as well. Oh, okay, because I don't, because I don't, because in my mind, that's not me going against that person. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm not, not initiating conflict. I'm, I'm not negating how you feel. I yeah. just think my point is like you haven't. I have before, but it's not recently. Like I, I, mean. I, haven't been, like, I haven't been put in this. You should put me in this situation to see okay. what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you were, I mean, point being you were in the situation with the clip. With the, yeah, with the girl. So like, I think maybe I overthought that, but I thought like, I just, I didn't want her first experience to be the, one of the no, pastors coming out. I think there's I a think lot of things in that scenario. Yeah. But I, that's my point mm. is what you're expressing isn't like uh, the question's too simple. Like yeah, I think yeah, for yeah. everybody it's situational. Yeah. I, I think there maybe are the very, very, very few people who are like rule number seven and you just always tell them like, Hey dude, this yeah. and this and this. And, but that's what my point that's is true. like there's way too many nuances. across the board. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody who could answer that question. No matter what. Straight up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. See, that's why I like these types of questions though, because <laughs> it, it immediately engages conversation. Cause how is your day? Good. Um, oh, you look nice today. Thanks. So like those are the normal types of things people say, but they can just be so stunted. But if you throw out a question like that, you've got people that are going to think about it from different sides. You've got people that are going to tell stories from their, from how they've, oh man, I had whole, my whole day, I had something in my teeth. Then I get home and I was like, who couldn't have told me this? There was, there was a right. time where I had like a chunk of pomade that just didn't dry. <laughs> like I didn't rub it in enough. And I was at the, I was at the BSM for like four or five hours. And then like, I get home and I was like, what is this? I texted Katie and she's like, oh yeah, we all saw that. And I was like, nobody <laughs> no could have said me. anything. I could have literally gone to the bathroom for three minutes and fixed this. But instead, everybody's just staring at my head. Yeah. And so like, there's, and there's plenty of stories like that, that these types of questions make come up and people have opinions about it. Another one, and then we can, uh, I'm curious as well. I had never seen this one before, but when you're putting on your shoes, what order do you go? Do you go sock, shoe, sock, shoe, or sock, sock, shoe, shoe? Definitely sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Sock, sock, yeah. shoe, shoe. I'm the same way. Um, People who don't are probably serial killers. <laughs> See, and that's what I love about these questions is that you're going you're gonna to have a, you're going to have such a strong opinion about something that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it does if they're serial killers. So it's funny as I was talking to Hannah, I was talking to Hannah about it and like, I forget how she phrased it, but it was basically like, well, if I have like, if I have the time to, to put on how I want to do it, then I'll go sock, sock, shoe, shoe. But if I'm in a hurry, I've been known to do sock, shoe, sock, shoe. And I'm like, well, how does, how that, does that change? change? <laughs> so like, if for her, that makes sense. But for me, it's like, if I'm changing my routine, I'm now going slower so than I would just in my routine. My socks are balled up. That's like, what I was going to say. They're together. I, they're together. So it would, it would seem less efficient to mm. separate them. And then, yeah, there are people, well, I don't know how common this is now, but I remember like high school and college, I knew of a lot of people that had mixed max socks. They just threw all their socks in the drawer they just grab a couple and go. And so I wonder for That's them, weird. it is, it's weird, right? I much prefer to 
ball. I just up don't wear socks them. in the summer, so I can't even answer That's the question. Smart. So for me, actually, which a lot of people, a lot of people hate me for this, is I, I do. I, if I'm like not showering or swimming, I usually have socks on. Like there's not really a time where I don't have socks on. It's not because I'm, in, I'm insecure about my feet. One of the reasons why I've had people ask that before, like, do you just take, not take care of your toes? I'm like, no, I, I have normal hygiene. <laughs> so like, why'd you jump there? Um, but for me, I realized I had a routine leading up to winter time to like be more efficient for cold weather. So like as it started cold, like chilling off, I would, uh, or getting colder, I would put on socks. And then if it got colder after that, I'd put on my pajama pants. If it got colder after that, I'd put an extra blanket. So like I had my routine so of like, as the summer's getting pantless. in. I had, boxers, before I had boxers. I had boxers. I had boxers on. <laughs> boxers on. Then it progresses to pajama pants. Okay. Like, okay. Like something to cover the whole leg. But okay. I would have boxers on. I don't sleep naked. I sleep. Okay. I sleep in boxers for anybody oh, who's. Okay. We're just talking about your sleeping habits. <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh no! This is like just a day. I'm just picturing him in a t-shirt and he's socks. like at the grocery store, the just, just Winnie the Pooh in it everywhere. <laughs> Sorry. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> for wintertime sleeping habits. <laughs> when it finally cools off a little bit, I wear pants. <laughs> He was too self-conscious about his sweaty pants, so now he doesn't <laughs> wear right. pants. Just, yeah, I, threw, I, I did away with pants all together. I was say, is the fix for it's the sweaty <laughs> pants is just take them off. It's just, just don't wear pants. Just don't yeah. wear pants. Uh, but anyway, so after, after, and then my routine for sleeping, my routine for sleeping would be to go the opposite way. I would start with taking off the blanket. Then once it warmed up a little more, I wouldn't Aren't wear you, the, like not supposed to sleep in socks? Uh, so, well, yeah, you can suffocate. I can suffocate. Oh wait, I've done it for <laughs> that, a while. That's, that's babies sleeping under blankets. Never mind. I, well, I guess it, I guess it depends on what your body's going through. Because for some people who are having bad blood flow, they would have like compression socks to wear while they sleep, well, that's so that to help encourage the because blood flow. of the location, not because it's socks. I think. Like what it's do you mean? Compression, like oh, it's it's not that it's like covering your feet. It's that it's compressing on your feet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but to answer, I don't know if that. If that would mean it's bad, I just heard that before. I got you. Like you, yeah. like your feet aren't Maybe able I'm to sleep. breathe. Like you're, <laughs> like you're retaining all that because you sweat. Mm -hmm. No matter if you believe you do or not, you, sweat <laughs> you still in your sweat. Feet, yes. so. And all that kind and of and it stays, stays there. there. Yeah, maybe I'm just maybe I'm gonna have gangrene in my feet. Or my feet are gonna be fall off one night because <laughs> I wear socks. It'd, be, it'd mean, be funny if that's how it was. Like your feet are fine, your feet are fine, your feet are fine. One morning you get up and you swing your legs <laughs> over the side of the bed, <laughs> and they just fall to the floor in the socks. Just I like got, to imagine them just still in the bed, and you, you yeah, you've got your feet and your socks still in the bed. You're like, dang it, no, it happened. Dang it. I guess Micah was right. That is bad for me. <laughs> That was but the, your feet literally just, just something. I have no idea if that's true or not. Someone yeah, told yeah. me that at one point. I Can gotcha. your feet fall off <laughs> <laughs> suddenly? <laughs> so I I realize I enjoy sleeping in socks and I've slept in socks for a long time and people hate me for it. I don't often say that publicly because people are mean. <laughs> you you are the people on the sitcoms that I always go. What in the heck are they thinking? I so like I, I reached a point. It was it was really during college, but I probably have had parts of this within my personality where like if I realize what I like, I just get to a point where I'm like, I don't need your approval, man. I like what I like. <laughs> like I got to a point too, like we call the reason I say college is because I I was officially like not even though I lived at home, it wasn't like I was under my parents. Like I was still kind of <laughs> I was being an adult. And we would go to restaurants and I would do I would specifically ask for like a table the way my mom would ask for a table. And I would interact with people the way my mom would. And I was like, I've never enjoyed this. I'm just going to get a booth. And I was like, this is revolutionary, man. You can just sit, you can sit on a couch and just enjoy your meal. This I is know. amazing. Booth over table any day. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, really? No. Why for So there's another question to ask. <laughs> booth or table? Wait, wait, am I by myself or with other people? I would say with people. With other people? No. I got to slide. You just want us to slide out of the booth every time you got to go to the true. bathroom. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. like, true. It's awkward. And then you're like stuck in this weird position where you like, if you got to turn to the person next to you to talk, you got to turn completely sideways. True. Mm -hmm. I would say maybe not like a situation where it's going to be, if you guys ever been to those restaurants where they put like 15 people in the back corner booth where they're all, I hate, yeah. I do not like those scenarios. Where it takes all, but if 15 it's minutes like, to slide around. <laughs> yeah, no, if it's like me, Hannah, and like my mom, like I'd be like, oh yeah, well maybe not my mom. She doesn't like this. My sister. And we all go there. We're all comfortable enough with each other. There's enough space in the booth to enjoy it. You're not like shoulder to shoulder. And then you're not having to be like, well, hey, <laughs> turn all the way completely over. I don't um, dislike booths. I just am not picking. No, one. we got it, yeah. man, clearly. That's fine. See, it's a good conversation. Why? But what's funny is it can be a good conversation on people. But some people are like, you're an idiot for, yeah. for thinking that way. And I do not want to be your friend. 
So anyway, yeah, I think it's fun. It's good stuff. I've enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I think it's interesting to bring up. Where am I going now? See, I screwed up my culture corner. Well, you know how uh, some of us have uh, bias towards. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. What are we talking about? Well, today, Pierce, <laughs> today we, we are talking about how our bias shapes our theology. And it's. Uh, Speaking of bias. But. We all, <laughs> I still like Ryan's amount of enjoyment for the Dr. Pepper. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just feel like I have to do it now. because no, even you dreaming it. Because it feels like there's a void if you don't. Like th- there, was a, there was an episode I was, I was editing where we didn't really acknowledge it. And I was like, that was weird. <laughs> we must have been tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because now, yeah, 90% of the time or 99% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the last time I had a Dr. Pepper was probably... In my teenage years. That's so sad. Do you want one? We have some. No. <laughs> Dr. Pepper was my drink of choice forever and ever. And then switched. It doesn't matter what we're talking about today. Uh, we were talking about how our bias shapes. Light now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how our bias shapes our theology and uh, how each of us has to be aware of the bias that exists in us as we approach the scriptures so that we can better deal with uh, maybe the false theology or bad theology that we've come to adopt and be able to move that out of the way so that we can come to rest on theological truth of Christ. But Ryan, isn't my theology just shaped by the culture that I'm in? Well, actually, Pierce, yes. It is very much shaped by the culture that we're in. And sometimes that's okay. Um, and sometimes that's not okay. And I think I think the thing about bias in general, in this case, we're talking clearly about biblical bias uh, or Christian bias. I think the thing about bias in general is that everyone is biased. Every person you're mm-hmm. going to meet is biased. And like as simple as booth or table, yeah, right? Yeah. Like everyone has a bias. Um, and maybe not, you might you might be listening and you might get stuck on that and like, well, I don't care if it's a booth or a table. All right, throw that aside. You are still biased about something. Mm-hmm. You're biased uh, about that statement. Right, exactly. there you go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, look at you. Knock the chip off your shoulder. You arrogant so-and-so. What kind of chip are you knocking off your shoulder? Uh, anyway. Um, Chocolate. Do, do, yeah, I was going to say, do you think of like a wood chip or do you think of a potato chip? You know? I, don't, I, don't, I don't fully understand the term chip on your shoulder, period. And so I don't know. We'll have to look up the etymology of that later. Yes. Yeah. But I think what I've pictured is like a, is like a rock for some reason. Because I feel like somebody connected it to like, carrying a weight or like carrying something there a rock chip yeah I mean, it does make sense <laughs> I'm not, not, not going to argue for the for it being logical at all it's just like that's when people say it I'm like oh okay yeah like a like a rock <laughs> <laughs> okay which is weird I know that is weird uh, I'm biased against you now he opens but, up uh, his bag of chips it's just rocks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this <laughs> but we we come to the text um so I, I've been reading the Bible for 27 and a half years. And uh, when I started, well, that's unfair. The first time that I started and actually made it through, because I had tried for about four or five years to get through it and never made it more than a couple of months in. Uh, but the first time I started and actually got through it, it was right before my 20th birthday um, and then finished it in 12 months, finished it in a year. And and part of the reason that I was getting into it is because I was I was in leadership in our college department there at the church that I was attending in Lubbock. And I wanted just to make sure that I was able to answer the questions. Part of the reason really that I got into it was a Sunday school teacher got in my face along with a couple of my friends, Scott and Ryan, and just said, you guys have the opportunity to be leaders, but mm. you guys don't take this very seriously. How much time are you spending in the word? Mm. And really arrogant Ryan was like, man, I've been in church my whole life. I'm 19 years old. I know all this stuff. But <laughs> it's so funny. I look back on this. My, I was going to shut him up by reading the Bible all the way through <laughs> in a year. <laughs> and, and, and I'm imagining how, that's, how that conversation would have gone if I had shown up to him a year later and be like, hey, so I've read the whole Bible now. And he'd be like, uh, awesome. good. Dope, like, man. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to get you to do. So I don't know what you're showing off about. Anyway, um, as I was reading through the Bible, there were stories in the scripture, of course, that I had never heard in 19, 20, at this point, almost 21 years of life. Mm-hmm. I had never heard taught. And there were several things that I found in the scripture that I had been taught wrongly. Mm-hmm. And, and just a few that I noticed, but not, not much. I wasn't uncovering, you know, uh, all sorts of hidden secrets or anything. There were just a couple of things that I noticed. And it caused me to wonder how many other things have I either not been taught or how many other things have I been taught wrongly. Mm-hmm. And sadly, 
and good. I mean, it's good and bad. But for the last 27 years, I have been trying to eliminate the bias I have towards the scripture and just let the scripture be the scripture. But every periodically, I'm still reminded that I have bias. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still reminded that my upbringing or the church that I grew up in or the guy that I read or uh, the conference that I went to tends to shape how I read the scripture more than letting the scripture be the scripture. So um, it, some of you may have really, really enjoyed our, I know that some of you did because you reached out to us and told us so, but you may have really enjoyed our our conversation about what is called the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28. Mm -hmm. Some of you may have really hated that because of a bias you've carried for that text for a really long time. And so our biases can be, I don't want to say exclusively, but can be dangerous because we can we can develop bad theology or poor theology because we favor our bias over the text. And so sometimes uh I was watching a video the other day. That it's a guy who responds to to flat earthers, mm-hmm. and it was really funny. Uh, the guy's pretty smart dude, but he just handles these conversations really well. And so people will send in clips to him, and then he will respond to their comments. And so this one guy was saying that he said that a, a bowling ball and a tennis ball. The guy who's the flat earther, he he was saying that gravity is not actually how we understand it, and a bowling ball will fall to the earth faster than will a tennis ball. And the scientist goes, "Well, no, actually, it won't." They'll Gravity has the same amount of pull on them. They'll fall at the same rate. And he's like, no, that's not true. And the guy says, well, have you done an experiment showing that? Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, no, I haven't done an experiment. I don't know. I've held a bowling ball and I've held a tennis ball. I know that a bowling <laughs> ball is going to fall faster. And the scientist the scientist goes, yeah, but like, have you actually done it? Have you ever dropped a bowling ball and a tennis ball from like your roof of your house or whatever it is to see? And he's like, no, I don't have to. I know. And he goes, well, what will be your response what will be your response if I then do this experiment and post it for you to see tomorrow? Like for example, and he goes, what if I show that they fall at the same rate? And he goes, well, then I'll know that it's fake. And, and so the scientist goes, the scientist goes, so you're telling me that you are unwilling to change your mind. You're unwilling to be wrong, Mm -hmm. even in the face of evidence. And the guy goes, he goes, no, I'll know it's fake because you proved me wrong. And and he goes, wait, what? And he goes, yeah, if you prove me wrong, I know it's fake because I know what I believe is right. Oh. And and so the guy's like, so you understand the problem with that, right? That no no one's going to be able to show you anything because you've already made up your mind. And and we're sitting here, look, the the faces that you guys are making are beautiful (laughs) because you're like, that's so dumb, right? Yeah. But And I think that probably all of our listeners would listen to that and go, man, that's dumb. Like, I can't believe how... How could someone not be shown this no, thing? I'm, I'm freaking out. The earth is round? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm seeing in your face. So uh, the, the point being, though, that we can look at that and go, man, that guy's ludicrous. How could you? And the guy did post a video the next day, dropping, <laughs> dropping the bowling ball and dropping the tennis ball. and talking. at the same rate? They did. Yeah. And I commented on the video uh, to that guy, to the scientist guy, and said, have you seen the feather in the bowling ball? falling in a vacuum. And I don't know if our listeners have seen that or if you guys have seen Mm -hmm. it. So there's a huge, it's the largest, it's by NASA. NASA uses it to test their space shuttles. Mm -hmm. It is a huge, I mean, massive, massive. You have to think the whole space shuttle's fitting inside this thing Mm -hmm. to pull a vacuum and test to make sure it's going to work in space, right? And they have a bowling ball and they have a feather and they drop them without the vacuum. And because of wind resistance, the feather floats to the ground and the bowling ball just falls to the ground. And then they pull a vacuum. And I forget how long it takes to pull the vacuum on this chamber. It's something like 18 hours because it takes that long to clear all the air out of this space. Mm -hmm. And then they drop the bowling ball and the feather and they fall at the exact same rate in a vacuum. Interesting. Yeah. Super cool, right? Because now the feather's not having any resistance of the air. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's impacting the is the gravity, the pull Mm -hmm. on these things. Super cool. You should look it up. But my point being that sometimes people even look at that and go, no, 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 it's fake Mm -hmm. because they've already made up their minds. And while most of our listeners while we younger selves, versions of ourselves would look at that and go, yeah, that's dumb. If if there's evidence to the contrary, you've got to take the evidence. And yet, so often our bias for the scripture, our bias for our favorite preacher, our v- bias for our favorite Sunday school leaders who poured into us, who shaped us and, and shaped us towards Christ. I'm not saying they did a bad job. I'm just saying so often our bias will prevent us from moving deeper into the scripture mm-hmm. because we can't get over 
our own prejudice or our own bias or our own conviction. Which actually is, um, it's one problem. The problem is, is that the scripture is not actually what you are using as a foundational truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if the scripture is a foundational truth, you can approach it understanding you have biases, but not worried about it because the scripture will filter through all that. Right. You know what I'm saying? So like the issue is, is not saying I've got to get rid of my biases. Right. The issue is saying, I think you make a great point. We all come with biases. Sure. Um, and so if we understand we come with biases, but the that goal- right there, understanding we come with biases will do a lot yes. to help us grow. Yes. Even but, if, even if that awareness. E- so what happens, what I see a lot is people from two perspectives of a theological bend will come to the scripture with both their biases Neither one actually trying to understand what the scripture's saying, sure. but only trying to understand or teach the other person what their bias is. Yeah. Yeah. That's my point is if the scriptural isn't if the scripture isn't the foundational truth, then it doesn't matter if right. you're trying to get rid of your biases. Like if, if right. the goal is to understand what the scripture is saying. So like I I've had so many conversations with people about our atonement viewpoint shift mm-hmm. who who will do the runaround, like circular sure. reasoning, because they can't get over the bias. Sure. And they are oftentimes unwilling to say, I want to at least see what the scripture says. So like when we'll say things like, um, you know, recap from the that that um, podcast, but like, where do we see in the scripture that the wrath of God is poured out on Jesus? Like, where is that shown? Right. And we say- Outside of 19th century logic, outside of 19th century reasoning, just be in simpler, the scripture. Yeah, without any kind of implication. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you, the only way you can argue the old perspective we had was to run to the bias. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and argue it from that perspective. So that's what I mean is like, instead of going, huh, that's an interesting question. Let's look at it. The immediate response is often like, no, no, no it can't be that way because of this, this, and this. So yeah. that's what I'm saying is like- Because I have these three assumptions, it can't possibly be what you're saying. Which is mm-hmm. actually showing that the goal is not in that situation, the goal is not to understand the scripture as a foundational truth. The goal right. is to make the scripture fit within the category. And that, right. I know that sounds incredibly harsh, but I don't know how else to play that. Like right. you- when, when I've done that in the past, I'm saying when I've done that, I am actually admitting in that moment, I'm not actually trying to understand the scripture. I'm trying to prove my, my bias. Right. Yeah. And that I think is the problem is mm-hmm. if we, if we actually come to a place where we say the scripture is foundational and truth, yeah. then we're able to have those conversations, understanding we have bias, mm-hmm. but letting the scripture filter out the bias. It's, yeah. um, I don't know if I've actually talked about it on here, probably not, but I, I wrote a paper earlier this year, um, I wrote a paper, I don't know, in January or February about John 10, 10. Mm -hmm. And this is a view that I've, that changed for me about two and a half years ago, or maybe just two years ago. It hasn't been super long, but John 10, 10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So let's pretend for two years, my view on this has shifted. That means for 25 years of preaching, what I taught when I taught that verse was the thief is the devil. The thief mm-hmm. has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I would say in front of people all the time, the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, but Christ wants to give you life. And some of you right now are going, yeah, of course, that's what it means. The, the devil is not mentioned at all in John 10, 10. Mm-hmm. In fact, earlier in John 10, Jesus says, all who came before me were thieves. All who came before me were thieves. And then he compares those thieves to false shepherds. He's the true shepherd. He's the real shepherd. Mm -hmm. And these all who came before him are false shepherds. And and Jesus talks about being the chief shepherd of the sheep here in John 10, right? And so what's really interesting is if you're a Jew listening to Jesus say this, and Jesus's audience at that point in John 10 were Jews, Mm then automatically your mind's going to go to um, Jeremiah. It's 23 in Jeremiah and uh, Ezekiel 34. And in both those texts, the prophets talk about the contemporary leaders of those days being false and wicked shepherds. Mm -hmm. And that these false and wicked shepherds don't care for the sheep, don't bind up the sheep, don't seek the lost sheep, don't feed the sheep. They seek to devour and do harm to the sheep. And both of those texts end with the good shepherd coming and rescuing the sheep and caring for the sheep, which is exactly what Jesus is talking about in John 10. He's proclaiming himself to be the Messiah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when he says the thieves, the thief, 
which it probably should be thieves, because he's already said everyone who came mm-hmm. before me is a thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about these false teachers that are the contemporaries of the Jews in his audience. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, these are the wicked shepherds who have not cared for the sheep, who have not cared for the flock, who have not bound up the broken, who have not sought the lost. And I am here to be the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. It's not about the devil at all. And I I was sharing that with somebody back in January as I was writing this paper. It's a super short paper. If you're interested in it, text me and I'll text it to you. It's only two pages long, maybe the shortest paper I've ever written. Uh, but it just handles the text about what Jesus is actually saying. And I share it, somebody read the paper, and their first response to me was, yeah, but it could still be the devil. And I said, how? Yeah. Like, from what perspective? And they're like, well, don't you think the devil's wicked? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not debating that. (laughs) Don't you think the devil wants to do harm to people? Yeah, I'm not debating that. All I'm saying is the thief mentioned in John 10 can't be the devil, not Mm -hmm. contextually. And and it's amazing because- I think a better way to say it is the thief in John 10 isn't the devil. The the thief, maybe even a better way to say it is the thief in John 10 are the false teachers. And just, yeah, that's just what say it directly. Yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. yeah. Because I think what it does when you say it can't, it opens up this like whole Challenge. other thought of like, is <laughs> yeah. there a possibility that, yeah. you know what I mean? So it's not the devil. Which is not your point. Your point is yeah. what Jesus is referring to is not referring to the devil. Right. Mm-hmm. That I don't feel like that's a debatable statement. No, and he is, like you said already, Micah, he is showcasing the fact that he is the Messiah. He is the answer to righteousness and holiness and the, to these lost sheep. Which he does, he over does and over, over and over again in contrast to the teachings of the Pharisees, the Pharisees and yep. the scribes at the time and in the past who were saying you earn righteousness through works right. of the law. So it makes most sense there even in that context to say, He's contrasting himself as the Messiah to works of the law, which is right. not, which is not the devil. The devil. There's no context of the devil like going to the Jews saying, "Hey, you need to earn yourself righteousness." Right. I mean, you can make a case, I'm sure that hence the Kent comment that he's like working through the Pharisees and the scribes. <laughs> right. But that's not the context. Is your point? Yeah. 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 That's what somebody said. I think to me, I don't remember who it was that said it to me. I'm not trying to pick on that individual, but somebody said, well, don't you think the devil worked through false teachers? Well, sure. I mean, like, but I just don't think that's the point Jesus is making. And, and so why would you, why don't you do that in every other spot? Right. Exactly. Um, and like for every other, and that means in every single teaching, if there's something in contrast to Jesus, you say you call the, it the, devil. the devil did it. And I, I watch people. I don't, I've seen clips of people on TV talk about that all the time. Like, you know, your yeah. debt's the devil, your, uh, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, this is the devil. This is the devil. This is your overeating's the devil. It's, yeah. it's I like, mean, like if you want to be, if you want to, I don't know, nitpick it to death, the word devil means adversary. Yeah. And so if you want to. There is the devil in the scripture, and then there are devils in the scripture because mm-hmm. Jesus says of Judas, one of you is a devil, yeah. Yeah. meaning one of you is an adversary. So if you if you want to broaden it and say, use devil to mean adversary, that's fine. then drop the modifier, the, and mm-hmm. say, your debt is a devil. Your debt is an adversary. But mm-hmm. but that's not what people mean, is it? No. That's not what you're saying, Micah. Like, and I think, I think what happens a lot of times is we, we come at the scripture with biases and we are oftentimes unwilling to remove or recognize that there are biases and even remove the biases if it goes in contrast to what the scripture is saying. What I'm not, what we're not saying is that um, we're always right about right. what the scripture is saying. For sure. But the more you can, the more you can understand that we come with biases and we are going to have a tendency to think a certain way, mm-hmm. then you're aware of what you might be doing on the text. Yeah. The, right. The worst thing in the world is to place filters on the scripture. And that's what happens when we bring our biases in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, if, if somebody presents to you a biblical position, and what I, what I mean by that is not just that they've read a verse and then talked about it for a few minutes, Mm -hmm. but they are showcasing to you, look at what Jesus is saying here. Look at how he's quoting here in Isaiah. Look at how it's used in Isaiah. Look at how Peter uses the same text over here. Let me show you how these three people, Isaiah, Jesus, and Peter all reference this verse in the exact same context. Therefore, this verse probably means this. Mm-hmm. And if your kickback is, well, I just don't feel. Yeah. Or, well, I had a Sunday school teacher who used to say, that has to be a big warning sign to you yeah. that you are allowing your bias to steer the ship 
rather than letting the scripture steer the ship. And I think what you could do in that situation is just be honest. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, what you're saying seems to, seems to be what the scripture's saying. I have this weird tension inside of me because I've always heard it taught differently. So yeah. I, I need you to give me some time to process this. That I think is good. I, I don't think I'm saying that you have to be able to cast your no. bias to the ground right away. I've actually never been in a conversation where somebody did that. I know, but that it's would be like, really good. It would be great. Yeah. But, but what you're saying most people do is they hear that and they're like, no, it's not they that kick against it. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm also not saying that I think that you have to be presented with the information and immediately go, oh yeah, that's totally what it is. Because sometimes those biases in us are so ingrained that it's really hard to cut something loose that we've lived with for 20 years. Sometimes, yeah. now listen, I will say this, when you have had practice of putting to death a bias, you do get better at it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so when you have had to admit that you've been wrong 40 times, by time number 41, when somebody presents to you the biblical evidence, you kind of go, huh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I get it. And, and the first time, like our atonement view, we all kind of looked at it in a couple of days and said, huh, all right, that seems right. And then we looked intently at it for the next two years. Mm-hmm. For two years. And for two years, we said frequently, it would be really great if we're wrong Mm. because it would be a lot easier Mm -hmm. (laughs) to just be wrong. Um, But for two years, we truly examined it. And it took us, I think, about two years for us to come to the place now where we're like, man, I'm settled on this. Unless Mm -hmm. somebody can show me a reason in scripture not to be. Um, Yeah, I think where we would say we're on that is we're, we're settled, if you want to use that term, on the reality that what we believe happened at the cross is that Jesus bore our sin. Yes, and 100%. That, that he is the means by which we have atonement. Yep, mm-hmm. 100%. What we're saying is we're settled, we're settled with the reality that we are uncomfortable using the concept of Jesus bore the wrath of God because we don't see it in the scripture. Right. Yeah. Well, we, well, the reason I'm saying it that way is, is I, I'm still waiting yeah. for someone to like, yeah. all these, all these, all of you people who are, uh, doing your dissertation on something that has really has relation to the atonement that keep telling us you're going to send us your papers and it's like the same please junk. do we'll do it's yeah. just everyone I've read everyone I've skimmed and you've read <laughs> has been the same stuff that we used to teach and believe yeah so what I'm saying is like no new arguments I'm mm-hmm. saying I'm yeah. open to the reality that someone might bring us something someday that was like oh have you thought about this and we literally might go oh we never have and we'll I change don't, yeah we will I don't think it's going to happen because we've had so many conversations yeah and, and spent so much time mulling over the scripture with it. But I'm saying what, where we're at is if that happened, we would happily go, yeah, that's yeah. right. We, yeah. we are aware enough. I don't. We think haven't created a new bias is right. what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, we're not walking in a bias. We're trying to walk in what we see the scripture to say. Mm-hmm. The, the interesting thing though is most pastors, um, most pastors, most teachers, most Bible study leaders would say, I'm trying to walk according to the scripture. Mm-hmm. What I realized about myself in my youth that I did a lot that I am trying to do less and trying not to do it all anymore, but that I, I think that we still oftentimes do as teachers is we're trying to walk according to the scripture and trying to teach the scripture, but we've started from a place of bias and we read the text and then we teach our bias. Mm. The, the intent isn't to be underhanded with the scripture. The right. intent mm-hmm. is to handle the scripture well, but if if what we were taught was bias, if what yeah. we were taught was, here's some human logic and here's some human thoughts about why you have to think this way on this text, then we inev- in- inevitably bring those things with us when we teach. So I'll give you an example. I was 20 years old before I knew that Noah took 14 of every type of clean animal and bird <laughs> on the ark. Mm-hmm. I was 20. Now, Noah's ark is like one of the most common Bible stories in the entire book, right? In, t- mm-hmm. in the entire Bible. And, and I grew up in church, so inevitably I heard Noah's art taught probably from, child, from birth to 20 years old. I probably heard it taught 200 times. Yeah. I mean, like in one, one venue or another, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and never once had anybody said the 14, not once, even though it's mentioned twice there in chapter seven of Genesis. Mm-hmm. In the midst of the story, it's mentioned twice. And while that won't change our cross theology or what we believe about Jesus at all, it was an interesting thing to me. And I I had to, I was like, well, why has no one ever taught me this? And I had never taught it either, 
Because when I was teaching the story of Noah's Ark, I was teaching what had been taught to me. Mm-hmm. I'm so familiar with what, the story that had been taught to me. I'm turning around and telling it the same way that I had been taught the story. And, and I think that that's probably what's happened for hundreds of years. Yeah. People are so familiar with the story of Noah's Ark, where they think they are, that they've heard it from their teachers so much that they can turn around and teach it to their students who will have heard it so much that they can turn around and teach it to their students. And no one's actually examining the text. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, I was just going to ask is like, the, the difference from your early teaching to later was an exposure to the scripture. Right. I mean, again, I think this is the problem. Yeah. If agreed. you don't, if you, if you don't know what the scripture says, you shouldn't have a strong position. Right. I have no problem with people saying, I think mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah. I'm in all like, day long. And that just is an open conversation. But right. it's what you're saying is, is we, our tendency is, to have thought something for a long time and then it becomes reality for us, even if it's contrary to what the scripture actually says. Right. Well, Noah only took two of every kind of animal, two mm-hmm. by two by two. There's songs growing up. There's all right. kinds of plays and skits and VBS stuff. And every then, coloring page in yeah, every children's book ever. You know what's <laughs> funny? Um, I actually, um, I actually realized that you love this before I was 19 or wherever you said you were. Yeah. Um, Show it wasn't off. much, it wasn't much longer before that, but I was a teenager and I remember reading that and I remember asking like, how do they know what clean animals were? Yeah. (laughs) So I'm the kid who wasn't even worried about the two by two. I'm like, there was no law. So how to know know what the clean, I was that kid asking those questions. That (laughs) that, by the way is a really interesting conversation. Um, So if you ever want to talk about that, I'm Mm -hmm. talking to the audience. Sorry, that's a little, that's a little deep dive into something (laughs) else. No, it's super fun. (laughs) Being though, like, I think think that, that without reading the scriptures, without listening to the scripture, without exposure to the scripture, you're, you're basically just having to depend on what other people have told you. Yeah. And we, we here in the U S we have the scriptures and the majority of us, if not all of us can read (laughs) or listen, you know, so like, and the majority of us have probably not. Done it right, it. and mm-hmm. so which I'm not even saying like you, you're wrong. It. What I'm saying is is don't have a definitive position on something that you don't really know. Right. Yeah. Um. It, it's a different. It's a different conversation. Um. I've always believed. I've always felt. I've always yep. thought. Those are those yep. are a different versus like what you're saying a second ago. Like, well, what about in Jeremiah? He says this. What about Isaiah? Or what? What if? Yeah. It seems like every time Jesus is saying these things, he's comparing himself to. The, te- the the text in the Old Testament that proclaimed the coming of the Messiah it seems like all yeah. he's doing here is proclaiming himself as the Messiah. Those are like biblical conversations to have versus Absolutely. like, it couldn't be that because I've always believed it's something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Well, and we talked a few weeks ago about you don't have to read your Bible every week to be a good Christian. Like those, there's not a law for that. Mm-hmm. But, but what we're saying is that there is, there is an opportunity mm-hmm. to genuinely know the scripture. Um, to come to the text, let the text speak for itself. There's an opportunity to do that for almost, I, I would argue for every single one of our listeners. Yeah. There mm-hmm. is an opportunity to do that. The fact that you're listening to this means yeah. you have the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because you can pull up, you know, a you version of the Bible and be listening to it yeah. in five minutes when you're done mm-hmm. with this podcast. And so there's the opportunity for you to do that. And most people don't take that opportunity. And uh, one of the things that I used to say, uh, I, I don't think it's a perfect example anymore because I think it does wreak too much of legalism, but I, the point I think is still not unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know 112 verses by heart, you know a book the size of Philippians, that's about two and a half pages, uh, 112 verses of the Bible. That is one third of 1% of, there, the Bible. of the whole Bible. There are 31,200 verses uh, in the Bible, roughly. And so, so, sorry, 104 verses is how long Philippians is. So one third of 1%. So to put it in perspective, if I'm going to give you a hundred bucks for knowing the entire Bible, you've just earned 33 cents for knowing 104 verses by heart. And, and most Christians know way less than 104 verses by heart. And most of them know them because of Awanas or whatever, but they weren't taught to memorize those verses with context. Yep. They were taught to memorize a verse. Well, I think that was that's kind of the issue is that we were taught to memorize individual verses. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With I don't think it's like wrong innately, but I think what it does is it trains you to look at the scripture out of context. Right. Yeah. So that's why I added they were memorized a verse without context. Yeah. Because I think knowing a single verse is fine if yeah. you completely understand the context it's immersed in, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But but no one, no one in any other discipline in the world. No one ever considers themselves to know something if they know less than one third of 1% of it. Right. Mm-hmm. No one. Right. 
No one goes around and talks about, you know, brain surgery as though they're an expert if they know less than one third of 1% about it. You know, like <laughs> I, I am, uh, I am completely ignorant of auto mechanics. I just am. Uh, no one's going to come to me and ask my advice. And if I were to give my advice, that would be a very foolhardy thing for me to do because I don't know anything about it. You what know? you yeah. could say is, if you'd heard someone say it before, like, I've heard said this way before, I think it's this because someone yeah, told that's me. different. Mm -hmm. Then saying, no, this is what it is. That's what a yeah. lot of, we, of us do in the scripture, though, is we've heard someone say it some well, way. Well, what, what was the thing at the beginning of this podcast you said? I don't know if that's actually true. I've just heard it. Swearing socks when you oh, say yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So here's a situation where you're not making a definitive statement. You are adding to the conversation by saying, I've heard this. I don't know. It makes sense because of this, this, and this. Yep. And if we would approach our biblical conversations from mm -hmm. that standpoint, mm -hmm. if you don't know, quit pretending like you know. I have a thought. I've wondered if, I've, I've seen this in small groups a lot through the years. I've wondered if there's a, there's a culture we created is the wrong word. If, if the Christian culture is, is the kind of culture where you almost don't get respect unless you, or we feel like you don't get respect amongst the small group you're in or the church mm. you're in, unless you actually can say something definitively with like heart and passion, like yeah, you know you sound it. smart. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if that's created this environment. So like, you know, in, in high school, I remember at camps, we do small groups and they would read a verse and be like, what do you guys think this verse is? Mm. Which is probably the most terrible question to ask. <laughs> yeah, that yes. is not a good Because approach. then it's just trying to get people to talk. I'd rather just ask a question about life and generally get people to talk and then let's like look at yeah. the scripture. But I'm wondering if that... Well, even framing that question from what is the text saying rather than what do you totally think? Totally different than you actually mm -hmm. are ex yeah. examining the scripture. But I I'm wondering if the culture that has been created out of those kind of situations almost gives people this innate desire to act like they know the scriptures when they don't. Yeah. Like all three of us would admit, and I think Ryan, you, all the years you've spent in the scripture, you'll admit this too. Like there's so much of it that you feel like you just don't know. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. we are learning constantly. Yeah. Uh, I forget what you said. Um, our last staff meeting, you said something, and this is what we love about our environment. You were like, this is just like off the wall thinking. Yeah. And then, oh, it was something about the devil being bound. Yeah. And, and anyway, so then we're just asking questions and you're like, okay, maybe it can't be that way because of this. But the fact that you, you didn't come to the table going, no, I'm determined that this is what the scripture is saying. You're literally just throwing out a thought, but the scripture is the means by which we examine the thought. Yeah, exactly. And that's where that's where growth happens. So for us, yeah. even all the years of us spending time in the scripture, we're still growing in those things yeah. because yeah, you yeah. don't get to a point where you just know the scripture completely. And, and so I would encourage those of you who are listening who are like, man, I read the Bible every day. Um, I, I want to encourage you with something that has helped me a lot because I've been reading the Bible for 27 years. So you and I, we might have that in common. And, you, and it is really easy to kind of sit back on your heels and kind of have a, some pride in that. Mm -hmm. And what I have had to come to in my life is instead of going, man, I've read it this many times or I've read it for this long, is I've had to develop the attitude of I haven't read it enough yet mm -hmm. to be satisfied yeah, with yeah. God. Like, not that I'm dissatisfied with God, but like to, you know, like you, there comes a point at the dinner table, even Thanksgiving or dessert or whatever, you come to the point where you're like, you know what? I've had enough. And like, I don't ever want to have enough of God. Yeah, like yeah. I want to keep going. And, and so. See, I actually think that, uh, I think Thanksgiving is a great example for me because I always feel like I get filled up. Mm -hmm. And then I get hungry again real quick. Yeah. And so there's a sense of satisfaction. Yeah, there you go. And then it's like, I can't, can't, I can't get to that point. I can't get to that yeah. point and go, now it's going to last me for the next year till Thanksgiving again. Right. At, 10 minutes later, I'm like, dude, that pie smells really That's good. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> That's what I, like, yeah. to the point, it's not that you don't ever get there. It's that, uh, who is it? Uh, it's, well, it's Paul, because it's one of his epistles <laughs> where he says, he, one of his prayers is that we'll be filled to the brim is kind of how it reads mm. with the fullness of who God is. The Ephesians 1. Okay. Yeah. So like this concept, like 16 through 19. the word he uses there to be filled is like completely filled up. So it's mm -hmm. not like a, to your point, like where you're satisfied and you never need it again, but it's like where you intake who God is, you read the scripture, you're spending time with God and you feel full Yeah, in that yeah. sense. Not the kind of fool that you can just say, okay, I'm done and I'm not going to walk with God anymore. But like the kind of fool where you, you feel satisfied and then you are hungry again is your point. You're never not hungry Yeah, after right. that. Yeah. And I've, I've found my appetite for God has increased rather than mm -hmm. decreased. And instead of getting to the point where I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm like, man, I want more. Mm -hmm. And so those of you who already have the discipline of being in the word a lot, it, come to the, 
if, if you're not genuinely at this place where you're like, man, I want more of God, then, mm-hmm. then seek that instead of going like, well, here's, here's what I believe. And, and, and we're not trying to cause doubt about salvation or anything like that. No, yeah. Nothing that I believe of the cross has changed. Nothing mm-hmm. that I believe of what Jesus has accomplished has changed. Nothing that I believe about righteousness has changed. Like these are foundational things, but I have come to know and enjoy God more fully as I've come to understand the scripture better. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. And uh, I, I am a goal oriented person. I don't think you have to be. Um, but as I'm looking to being 50 in 981 days or Ugh. something like that, not by the time they listen to this, cause we're recording this a little bit before. Maybe somebody. But yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it's gonna be on the internet forever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> they'll look at the date and be like, is he 50 yet? And I am. Yeah. It'll be like, you'll be your 50th birthday and you'll get a text. Yeah. So I'm, thank you for that. By the way, you listener that's doing that. <laughs> yeah. They're nice people. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm 50 already. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, for some of you, I'm 50 That's right, right now go. while you're listening. How's to that feel? Yeah. Uh, it feels great, man. That's good. Yeah. Um, but I have goals. I have like where I would like to be in terms of study and where I'd like to be in terms of my knowledge of the scripture. And, and I've just started, um, I don't know what to call it. I, I've just started a scripture memory plan again for myself and I haven't had a specific scripture memory plan in a really long time. Um, but I'm, I'm trying something different than, than I've ever done before. And so like there, I'm just, I don't want to be done. I don't want to be done with knowing God. And, and I am aware, I have some really good friends for, from, from, well, let's see, it's, it's September, 2022. So for the last 27 years, I have had really good friends that have challenged me into a deeper walk with Christ. And I have always had a couple of people around me that I could ask hard questions of, that could ask hard questions back, that where our aim was just to know the scripture. And, and that has really helped me to be able to expose my bias. Mm. And so one of the things that I would encourage you to do is have one or two people in your life that you can just be completely honest with and ask hard questions of that will help expose your bias um, or biases that you guys share together so that you can begin to eliminate those and see more clearly, I think, the things of God and his character. And um, I don't know. I, what, I, what I know is this. I, I have seen it in 27 years of pastoring and preaching. I have seen it way too often where somebody goes, I believe this about God. I believe this about God. I believe this about God. And then you say something that they feel is a personal attack. And they're like, yes. I could never believe that. I would never believe in a God who would do that. Or I would never believe in a situation like, and you're like, man, it's right here. It's yeah. in the scripture. And, and you bump into a bias and then they shut down. Mm-hmm. And what I would encourage you to do is not like wrestle with it more than that. Instead of shutting yeah. down, like wrestle with it. Like why, why is this such an affront to me? Why is this so offensive to me? Like, um, but don't let bias, <sighs> bias has the potential. I don't think all bias is necessarily bad, but hmm. bias has the potential to corrupt your theology. Yeah, absolutely. On the, uh, I want you to keep going on that, but on the personal, taking something too personal is a story that I just thought of right before you started going that and I was like, oh, this is great. So when I was in college, I had a friend of mine who it's, I think you, as in regards to bias, biases, that's, there's like the typical ones, may it be just like a theological bend. If you're from a more reformed or Calvin type culture, that might be your bias. If you grew up um, only hearing VBS type stories told a certain way, that might be your bias. But what was interesting about him was that like, his bias, his bias was that he would take so much ownership for like whatever he's currently reading at the time. So he had just finished first Peter and, uh, and he was really excited about it. He's making a lot of connections with first Peter. He was super stoked about it. Super. We were like 19 or 20. So it was cool to see him doing all these things. But then he was like, but then I was, he also, uh, wrote some lyrics. He was also in bands and some stuff like that. So he was like, yeah, I was going to compare it compare this situation to a lion, but you know, the devil's a lion. And, and <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I mean, the Bible also calls Jesus a lion. And he was like, no, it calls the devil a lion. I know exactly where it is in the Bible. It's yeah. right there. And I was like, yeah, but it's a metaphor for, for in that situation about the devil in this situation about Jesus. And he's like, that can't, that's, there's no, way. and then what he did, exactly what you just said, he shut down, like the conversation was done. He would not he allow it. He made up his mind and, about the lyrics and the song. I and know. What he wanted to do. And, yeah. And what's funny about that is that like, that is just like, the Noah situation, that's literally just turned to two passages and be like, no, but, but here. It's right here. And it goes back to everything <laughs> we just said at the beginning is that yeah. if the scripture is, isn't the the filter by which we understand the scripture, if we're not using this or putting the the proper weight on the scripture in those conversations, then 
um, you allow your bias to dictate. But what was hard, what was tricky about that situation is that in his mind, he was allowing to be the scripture to be the yeah. filter by which he understood it, but he was allowing this one verse to be the means by which he understood all these Everything. other, every, every time yeah. the word lion was mentioned, it had to be the devil because of first Peter five. And maybe yeah. the question we should ask is individually, does our bias come from pride or not? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So like I'm biased towards my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, like yeah. watching them in football games, I'm like, yeah, well, I'm, you I'm want not, them to do well. I'm you not want rooting them. for the other team to like, right. Do better than this. <laughs> yeah. bias. Well, my, like in a, in a situation, Asher, where, Asher's going to be playing his, uh, his cousin, mm-hmm. um, in a few weeks or Riker is playing his cousin in a few weeks. And, I love my nephews, but I'm cheering for my boy. Yeah, you yeah know? exactly. Like, yeah. So like in that situation, his concern- I hope my nephew does well enough to still lose. <laughs> you know? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Pierce, in your friend's situation, it was out of pride. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah. Because he had decided that's what it was. Mm-hmm. And when you brought up a situation or a thought that was contrary to that, it it showed that he was wrong and that's yeah. out of pride. So it, I, I, maybe the better way to say it, Ryan, what you're kind of going through earlier is that it's it's prideful bias that is the danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yep. Well, because I think if it's bias that's not prideful, it actually doesn't get in the way. Yeah. Because you're you're like, oh yeah, it's just kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Or my thought, but like I don't. Yeah, because I think that all of us can have an incredibly appropriate bias towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. people who are like, well, there's a lot of ways to be saved. We're like, no, there's not. <laughs> it's <laughs> and, Jesus. And technically, <laughs> how I feel about the scripture is bias. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. I I, I kind of think maybe the shape. This needs to take is it's if your bias is born out of pride, that's probably where the danger comes in. Now yeah. listen, let's bring it full circle. Nice. Okay, you ready? So if if your bias comes from a place where you have a chip on your shoulder, like a rock. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> that's chocolate. Originated in the 19th century in the United States, where people were looking for a physical fight, and they would carry a chip of wood on their shoulders, daring others to knock it off. That's really pretty, that's like they had a balance it's, on there. Yeah. So, it, and it is likened to a knight throwing down his gauntlet. That's pretty. Dumb. And so you would have a chip on your shoulder and you, you were looking for trouble. Yeah. So if, if you, if when you engage in biblical conversation, you are looking for the outcome of consternation and conflict carrying around a chip on your shoulder. That's probably pride. I wonder if I should mm, get yeah. one, like make one. And then if I get in an awkward situation, I can tell it's getting weird. I'm just going to pull the wood piece of wood out and stick it <laughs> on my shoulder. Like, come on. To make it even more tense, you just put it on the other person's shoulder when they're coming at you. Be like, oh, okay, here you go, buddy. <laughs> and then go and knock yes, it off. That's right. <laughs> uh, you're, you're knocking it off was very gentle. Like I, I would flick it, you know, like, ah. Just one, <laughs> just just one, one finger. finger. Yeah. Strangely enough, people don't come at me like very, like that very often. No, no. It's probably because I got the wood on my shoulder. They're like, I can't handle it. That guy's Filipino. Bruce Lee <laughs> lives in him somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Going to get Not going to mess beat. with that guy. Sweet. Um, yeah, bi- bias, what did we say earlier? Bias shaping theology. Bias uh, shapes theology. Bias shapes theology. Yeah. Um, can. Yeah, it, it can. And so th- this is this is a lot like what we talked about. I feel like we've brought up over the last few months, just in, in random episodes, but definitely last week, is that like what we tend to do is see a potential issue and then just throw the pendulum on the way on the other side. And I think what we said at the very beginning of this podcast is just acknowledging the fact that we do come with 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 biases. Is that what the plural biases. is? Biases, biases, um, biases sounds really weird. It does sound, sound really weird, cool. right? No, um, buy like, like oxen. <laughs> so like he's a, a moosen over there. <laughs> oxen. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um, when we come with, we, we come with biases and we, we bring those to the table, regardless of where we come from, because of what we said, like the question at the very beginning, uh, may it be culture, may it just be the church you grew up with, may it be the certain teachers you had, there's something that you're coming with, but don't allow that to be the weight by which the, or the filter by which you understand the scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, let the scripture speak for itself and, and, and also think freely in the midst of that. I think that there's, I, I've had several people in youth group um, and, and and college age people that I've talked to in regards to kind of sh- uh, trying to straighten out um, or give them a proper view of context is probably the best mm. way to say it. So the, the go-to verses for that are like Jeremiah 20 11, Philippians 4, 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would have them call or text me later and just be like, I can't 
read any of the Bible now because nothing, nothing applies to me, nothing at all. And so like they get there again, pendulum on the other side all the way over there. And then, so what I've tended to do now is definitely follow up a context conversation with understanding context, like will flow proper application because we understand the context of it. Um, but all that to say in that situation, what it sounded like was my bias was context and everybody else was stupid. And so then they have these people who either push back against that or you have these students that called me who are just at a genuine place of like, well, I, like how, do, how do I think about this? What do I do? And I think that process is such a big part of this is working through your bias. May it take, uh, if you're 40 times deep, like you brought up earlier, it's really quick turnaround or may it take like a year or two. It's, it's still the process of you learning and growing. And that shows the humility that you have before Christ, the humility you have before his word. And that is ultimately who we're shaped to be is we're humble before Christ and we're humble before truth. And we acknowledge that truth doesn't come from us, but truth comes from Christ. Truth comes from God. And so Mm -hmm. truth is outside of us. And so learning and being shaped away from biases, that's not wrong for you to be going through that process. I think sometimes you might beat yourself up or I've been known to, I should be over this. I'll, I'll think that to myself, like I should be past this, but sometimes it's still a process that you're working through. And then in a few years, you might be like, oh, yeah, I used to think this way about this one verse. And then you can praise God for how he's kind of shaped you away from that. So either way, don't be scared of the process. Lean into Christ um, and acknowledge that truth doesn't come from your experiences, does, doesn't come from your biases, but comes ultimately from him. Um, and understanding comes from the Holy Spirit. So lean into that. You guys have anything else to say regarding b- biasing? <laughs> Just trying to add every single plural I can to it. Uh, biases, sweet. You know who I'm biased towards? Vanilla Man. Mm. <laughs> We're at the Garden Audio. We're chilling with Steven out here. If you haven't already, go follow at the Garden Audio. And if you don't want to follow, just go to his page and like his very first photo, just to kind of throw, <laughs> just to throw, throw him off. Uh, look, go full creeper status. But check out Steven. He's got great stuff going on going on over there. He makes this podcast. Check just check him out, man. Just check him out. Check out what he's got going on. Is probably what I should have said. If you want to check him out, I don't care. Um, so go see what's going on with Steven. If you comment on this video, uh, leave a review. Let Steven know that he makes it sound good, that it's, the editing is done well. I'm going to burp into this microphone. Uh, while you're over there, check out at Simpler Pod. We're, we're on the social medias. Go interact. Those are also great avenues to send in requests for topics to talk about. So send us a direct message on Instagram. Send us a message on Facebook if you want to interact with us or I forget what you brought up earlier or your paper. So like if you if you yeah. want the paper that the one Ryan, paper that Ryan that Ryan talked about then and you don't have his number, shoot us a message and we can get that to you. So connect with us through social media. Uh, interact with us. Let us know what you guys think of the podcast. Let us know what you guys think of being a part of the simpler community. And as always keep Christ as core. What could be simpler than that? Catch you guys next week. Woohoo. Bye.